Good morning, church. How are y'all this morning? Good. Well, as many of you have noticed very quickly, I'm not Gordon, okay? Uh, my name's Kenny. I'm the youth pastor for those of you that don't know me. Um, so I have the pleasure of teaching the kids. And so Gordon had the pleasure of running a full marathon yesterday, so he did not want to stand up here for a while. So we're going to let him have a break. So um, just want to thank y'all this morning for giving me the opportunity to just come and share God's word with y'all. Uh, I'm really excited to be up here. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about overcoming fear. And so anytime I think about overcoming fear, I always think about this big rock quarry that we have in the back of our neighborhood. So it's an old abandoned rock quarry, and it's full of water. Apparently, when they were digging, they hit water, and over the years, it's just filled up. And it's kind of turned into a not super safe swimming hole. Um, and I say that because to get down in it is like a 20 to 25 foot jump. I mean, you have time on the way down to think about this was a bad idea before you hit the water. But every single time I go back there, every single time I jump in, I feel that fear. I feel that just kind of taking the breath out of me. But every single time I still jump in and do it because I know that the feeling of exhilaration is going to be worth it. We're able to overcome that fear to do the things that we want to do. And so church, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Not so much doing the things that we want to do, but overcoming that fear to be able to accomplish the purpose that God has for each and every one of us. And to that end, I want to look at a little bit of the story of Joshua this morning, because he had an incredible incredible purpose, he was going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And so to do that, I want to start first in Deuteronomy chapter 31. So if you got your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Um, so basically what's going on is Moses is going to be preaching to the people. He's going to be basically telling them, all right, I'm about, I'm about at the end of my rope and uh, Joshua is going to be the one taking over. So if you've got your Bibles, please stand with me as we read Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8. It says this, So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you, he will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them and Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them into possession of it. It is the Lord who goes with He will be with you. He, he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Please be seated. 
So, so Moses is telling the people at the ripe old age of 120, it's time for him to retire. So I think he's, I think he's pretty well earned it. He's done a lot of good work. And uh, he's even saying that I'm not going to be able to finish this journey with you. Now, you see, Moses had led the people out of Egypt. They had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And here they were at the finish line. All they had to do was cross the Jordan, and they were in the promised land. But God had told Moses that he would not be the one to lead them. Joshua would. Joshua would be the one to bring the people to that final distance, and he would be the one to lead all of Israel into the promised land. And so God tells him in, in verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And that's going to be kind of a repeated thing today. We're going to see that a lot. You see, they had, they, they had all of this fear about going into the promised land. They had all of this fear, and God was telling all of the people of Israel first, be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord was with them. The Lord was with them. Not because they were really good at fighting, because they weren't. They were actually really bad. They were really bad. When the Lord wasn't on their side, even the weakest of armies would overtake them. But when the Lord was with them, they could do absolutely anything. And so God is telling them, he says, do not fear. Well, then Moses pulls just Joshua aside. And he says, Joshua, you're going to lead these people. Be strong and courageous. You see, if you're going to lead the people, you can't be fearful. You can't have this fear keeping you down. You have to be strong. And how are you going to do that? Well, again, I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, God gives us two truths right there. He gives us the first two truths to Joshua and to the people of Israel about overcoming fear. The first is acknowledging that God is with you, okay? God is with them. He was going to be with them, and because of that, the people had nothing to fear, because when God was with them, nothing could stand before them. And the second truth was that not only is God with you, he's never, going to, he's never going anywhere. He would never leave them or forsake them. So not only do you have this first truth that the incredible God that has led you through all these battles is with you, but also that he is never going to leave you. Church, that is an incredible promise to the people of Israel, to Joshua. Because when they relied on God, they could do anything. And so he tells them again, he says, be strong and be courageous, even so much so that this point was so needed that later on in chapter 31, in verse 23, God is commissioning Joshua and look at what he tells him, church. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to them. How? Because I will be with you. Guys, we serve an incredible God, a God that can do literally anything, and a God that does not use words unnecessarily. We have an incredible book written and authored by God through different men. He does not use words unnecessarily, and yet three times in one chapter, we have seen this. Three times he has repeated himself. For God to say something one time, it is extremely important. We've seen it three times. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Three times. So it kind of got me wondering. I was like, why 
is God having to repeat himself so much? What are these people so afraid of? What is Joshua so afraid of? They're going into the promised land. Literally, the land that was promised to them. What is he afraid of? But if we go back, if we go back a little bit further into Numbers chapter 13, we'll see. So this is 40 years in the past. So this is 40 years prior, and the people are in the same exact spot. Moses has got the people to the Jordan. They're sitting at the edge. They can see the promised land. All they have to do is cross the Jordan. Well, so uh, God tells Moses, he says, send out spies. Send out spies into the land. Bring a report back. Now, this isn't like go pop your head in and, and then come back. He sends them in for 40 days. So for 40 days, these spies, these 12 guys go out and they explore all of the land. And so in Numbers 13, uh, verses 27, we get their response. So they have just returned from this 40 days and 10 out of the 12 bring back a really good report. And so we've got verse 27 through 33. It says this, and they told him, we came into the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the de descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. You see, all of these really, really powerful people were there. Uh, the, the descendants of Anak, the, the, these guys that would make them seem like giants. I mean, they had to literally overtake all of these people. And so 10 out of the 12, they brought back this report. They were like, the land is great. It's full of milk and honey. It's, it's incredible. We just don't have a chance. Like, we have no chance. But in verse 30, we get Caleb, who is one of the two that brought back a good report. It says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against those people, for they are stronger than we are. They brought to the people of Israel a bad report in the land they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in there are of great height. There were the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and they, who seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, we seemed to them. These people are saying, look, Caleb, you're out of your mind. We don't have a chance. We don't have a chance. And so Caleb and Joshua were the only two that brought back a good report. And so Moses and Aaron have a choice to make. Moses and Aaron have a choice. They can either go into the land with all of Israel cowering, with all of Israel following God, or they can cower it out. They can stay where they are, and they can stay where it's safe. See, they have a choice to make. They can either follow God, or they can stay safe. So in chapter 14, verses uh, 1 through 5 of, of Numbers, we see Moses and Aaron debating on what to do. And in verse 5, it says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. You see, these guys, they're weeping. They have no idea what to do. They have no idea how God is going to get them through this. But Joshua stood up. Joshua stands up, 
in verse 6 and says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that overflows with milk and honey. Honey, Only do not rebel against the Lord. Here, here we go, church. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, Joshua, this is, this is 40 years of, before what we just read in Deuteronomy. Joshua says the exact same thing to the people of Israel that God just said to him. God used his own words. Joshua's telling the people of Israel, he says, the Lord is with us. We've got nothing to be afraid of. We've got absolutely nothing to fear. Forty years later, God would use those same words to calm him. But unfortunately, the people of Israel didn't feel the same way. In verse 10, then all the congregation said to stone him with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. So Joshua is like, we've got this. God's on our side. We've got nothing to be afraid of. And the people of Israel were so scared. They were so terrified. They were, they were so just completely against the idea of going in. They said, absolutely not. We're going to kill you. Just for, just for wanting to go, we're going to kill you. So now 40 years later, in Deuteronomy 31 and in Joshua 1, 40 years later, Joshua's standing in the same spot. The people are at the edge of the Jordan. 40 years have passed. The walls have been fortified. The people have still inhabited that land. Nothing has changed except that the people of the land have gotten stronger, and now Moses is not there to lead. In Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua is faced with the same decision that Moses and Aaron were faced with. How am I supposed to go into this land? So when we read in Deuteronomy 31, three times, be strong and courageous, it makes a little more sense now. We can understand the fear, we can understand the dread, the anxiety that Joshua would have felt. The last time he was supposed to try and lead these people into the promised land, they tried to kill him. So Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, Moses has now just died. They're sitting right here in the same spot. They're faced with the same problem. And look at what God tells Joshua in chapter 1. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now that is an incredible promise. You see, Joshua had a lot to do. He was going to have to go through a lot First off, they were going to have to cross the Jordan. That's not an easy task. That's not like this little creek out here. Okay, You're looking at about a football field across, over 10 feet deep, most of it. And as we read later in Joshua, 
It's not just the Jordan. It's the Jordan during a flood season. It's treacherous. You've got men, women, children. You've got all of your supplies. You've got livestock. You've got the Ark of the Covenant that multiple guys have to carry. And you're supposed to cross this treacherous, gigantic river. That's, that's an easy task, right? And then once you get there, all of these enemies before you, yeah, you've got to fight all of them. That's the command that I'm giving to you, Joshua. So yeah, Joshua, he's like, okay, great. All right, I know a few days ago when, you know, Moses was talking to me and I was commissioned that you told me to be strong and be courageous three times. But God, I just don't know how. And look at the promise he gives him in chapter one of Joshua, verse five. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. This is the fourth time in a matter of two chapters that God has said that. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. Remember, Joshua said the same exact thing to the people of Israel 40 years ago. Now God is using that to strengthen him. God's using his own words. Verse 6 through 9, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to them. Verse 7, in case we haven't heard it enough, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or left. You may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will... For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Guys, when God says something one time, it is important. We've seen it six times in two chapters. And we're not done yet. Six times in just two chapters. Six times. Once to all of the people of Israel, five times now to Joshua directly as the leader of Israel. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Guys, that is quite a promise. So you have nothing to fear because God is with you. No man shall stand against you. These are incredible promises that God gives to Joshua, to the people of Israel, over and over and over and over again. So when he says be strong and courageous, he's not just filling them full of hot air. He's telling you, I'm with you. I'm going to battle with you. You're not going alone. We're going to take over this land that I've promised to the people. That's an incredible promise. But Joshua now is faced again with the same situation he was 40 years ago. He's got to tell the people of Israel that they're going into this promised land. He's got to tell the people of Israel they're going to cross the Jordan. He's got to tell the people of Israel that they're going to have to fight all of these people, that they're going to have to go forward into this land without fear. In verse 10 and 11, that's exactly what he does. Joshua overcomes his fear. It says in verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, 
prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. He gave the same order that he did 40 years ago. 40 years ago, the people of Israel tried to kill him because of this. 40 years ago, the people of Israel did not trust in him. An entire generation has died. They have been wandering around in nothing for years. They have been through quite a lot, but that required two very serious things. They had to cross the Jordan again, huge, huge obstacle, and they had to take possession of the land. That's a lot of people. There were some 30-odd city-states that they were going to have to go through. You're talking about the fortified walls of Jericho. You're talking about the, the, the giants of the Nephilim. You're talking about all of these guys that were there have now fortified themselves even more. But the people of Israel have only gotten weaker. The people of Israel have died off. They don't have anything. How in the world are they going to take this? Well, verse 16, verse 16, it says, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. See, the people decided to trust God. They decided to overcome that fear. They would follow Joshua. They decided to trust God. Verse 17 just as we obeyed Moses in all the things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. You see, these people would follow Joshua, but on one condition. We'll follow you as long as you're following the Lord. As long as God's with you, we're with you. As long as God is leading you, we will follow. The people wanted a leader that was in the word. They wanted a leader that could lead them in the ways of God. They didn't just want some guy that was going to be trying to make them an army. In verse 18, the, the last verse, it says, whoever rebels against you, your commandment, and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall, whatever you command him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Seven times. That's seven times in two chapters. The first one was to all of Israel. The next five are to Joshua directly. And the last one is from all of Israel to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Seven times we've seen this. Guys, that's beyond important they have this amazing promise that god will not leave them and because of that promise they are able to do anything they are able to do anything we see back in verses seven and eight god gave joshua a couple of things to work on he says if you're going to be successful. I need you to seek me. I need you to follow the law of Moses. Do not turn from it right or left. The book of the law shall not depart your mouth, shall meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do it 
everything that is recorded on it, for that will make your way prosperous. You see, God had already given him the promise that he was never going to leave and forsake him. God had already given him the promise that no man was ever going to be able to stand against him. But to do this, Joshua didn't need to build some grand army. We've already talked about Israel was really bad at war. They were not good at it. Their job was not to build an army. Now, Joshua's job was to seek God. Seek God daily. Meditate on his word day and night. Recite his word. Follow his laws. And this will make your way prosperous. No man will stand against you. And Joshua would be able to lead the people into the promised land. God would do incredible miracles throughout the book of Joshua to, to, to give the promised land over to them. He would part the waters of the Jordan so that they could cross through on dry land. He would give over enemies. He would destroy the walls of Jericho without, let, without the people raising a finger. He would do incredible things because Joshua did not focus on the strength of man. No, because he focused on seeking God daily. Meditating on His Word day and night. Meditating on, on, the, on the things of God to transform his heart day in and day out. This wasn't just reading a devotional and closing your Bible until the next time you open it again. This was meditating on it throughout the day. Letting that word change your heart. That's what Joshua's job was. If you're going to lead these people, you don't need an army. Yeah, we're going to fight a ton of battles. We're going to do a lot of really difficult things. But you don't need an army. You need God. And that's what Joshua's charge was. You see, one of the, the coolest things when I was studying this actually came out of Numbers in chapter 13. Uh, it, it gives this list of all of the people that went out into spy with the land. And in verse 8, it, it gives this name. It says, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. But Joshua is the son of Nun. And so it got me thinking. I was like, when did his name change? Who, why, why would you change his name? Because names in the Old Testament were super important. They always had meaning. And Hoshea actually means deliverer or savior. So that was a really good name to have. I mean, that was, that was awesome. You were important. That was an incredible name to have. So why in the world would you change it to Joshua? Well, in verse 16, it tells us that these were the name of the men whom Moses sent to spout on the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So Moses changed his name, which got me thinking, well, why Joshua? What is, what's the significance of that? You see, Joshua means the Lord delivers. The Lord saves. Joshua would be the one to lead the people into the promised land. Absolutely. But not by any power of himself, not by any power of army. But because the Lord was with him. The Lord would deliver him. The Lord would not forsake him. You see, Joshua means the Lord delivers, the Lord saves. We see this name another time in the New Testament when it's translated into Greek. It's Jesus. The Lord delivers. The Lord saves. You see, this name is so incredible because 
throughout what we've talked about, throughout Joshua, throughout Deuteronomy, throughout all of this, Joshua is not the one that delivers the people because God delivers them. The people of Israel relied on God's strength and were able to take the promised land. The people of Israel, when they relied on the thought of man, they ended up wandering the desert for 40 years. But when they relied on the Lord, when they followed him, they were able to do incredible things. Joshua, the Lord delivers, the Lord saves. And so church, you might be wondering, all right, this is, this is really great and all, this is awesome, but I can't be strong and courageous. I can't be outspoken about God. Isn't that just the pastor's job? I'm a teacher. I might lose my job for that. I'm a businessman. That, there's no place for that in the workplace. What am I supposed to do with that? That was their charge. That's not mine. You see, in the New Testament, we have the same exact charge. When we, when we look at the, the, um, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells everybody, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We don't put a light, light it and put it under a basket. No, we want it to shine for all to see. You are to stand out. When you see the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we see that, that Christ sends out the disciples into the lands, he says, you are like sheep going into den of wolves. Be strong and courageous. You see, we have the exact same charge, but we have the exact same promise, and there's no better place to look than Romans chapter 8. I mean, that is just, it blows me away. In verse 37 through 39, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in this all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, guys, we have the same charge that Joshua did. We don't have to lead an entire people. We may not have to fight battles, but we have to be bold. We have to be a light. We have to be the salt of the earth. We have to do these things as we go into the world. But we can because we have the same exact promise that God is with us, and we know the end of the book. We know it. We know that God, God wins. Spoiler alert, God wins. He does. We know that we are more than conquerors. We know that God can do incredible miracles. We have the same promise. We have the same promise and the same charge that Joshua did. So how did he overcome it? By seeking God daily. Seeking God daily, not building up an army, not doing any of the things that most of us would say, hey, are probably a good idea if you're going to be going into battle, an army's not a bad thing to take with you. But God said, no, I'm going to be with you. Guys, we have the same charge, we have the same promise that Joshua did, and we are able to overcome any fear because God is with us. Guys, every single time that I go back to the rock quarry, I get scared before I jump. Every single time. Every time before I hit the water, I'm like, this was so dumb. This was so dumb. 
Every single time I've tried to share the gospel with somebody, I've had the same fear. Every single time I go out to share the gospel with somebody, there's always fear. What if they ask me something I don't know? What if, what if they're upset? What if they, 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 they do all of these? There's all of these what ifs. There's all of these what ifs. When I was working uh, with, with Liberty Insurance, I had all these, all these what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. They were recording our calls. What if I got in trouble for talking to this person about Christ on a recorded call? What if I did all of these things? What if I lost my job? What if I did all these things? And that would always be running through my mind, but I knew, guys, we have the same promise. The Lord is with you. You're able to overcome that fear knowing that. Just like Joshua did. His fear was real. The people had tried to kill him for just saying it. His fear was real. Our fears are real. But guys, I'm here to tell you we have the promise that we can overcome. One last story and then I promise I'm done. Okay, so back in the 90s and the early 2000s, the church was very closed off in China, okay? It was very closed off. If you were preaching or teaching in China, they would throw you in jail. But the Chinese government thought, no, that's not quite enough. We want to completely eradicate Christianity. We don't want this to become a thing. And so they wouldn't just throw those people in jail. They would take them from their, their village, their, their city, wherever, and they would put them in one of three centralized jails so that they couldn't infect anyone else with their thoughts. They couldn't preach or teach or do anything to anybody else. They would, they would centralize them, and they were going to stamp out Christianity while those people were in jail. It's a, it's a good idea. It really is. Separate yourself from everything else. You don't know anybody. But instead of stamping out Christianity, those jails became like seminaries. You see, they would put all of the Christians there, and instead of weakening them by taking them away from the people they knew, they were strengthening them because these people refused to stop preaching. And they would teach each other, and they would learn from each other, and they would suffer together. They would suffer the torture. They would suffer the beatings. They would suffer all of this together, and they would praise God through it, teaching each other. And so when their time was served, when they were done, And when the the guards thought that they had stamped it out of them, they would send them right back to their village. And what do you think the people did? They went and taught even better. Now they had other people they had learned from. Now they had other people that they knew were supporting them, they were suffering with them, that they knew were encouraging them and praying for them. Guys, the spread of Christianity, instead of being stamped out, grew exponentially. People were going to jail to learn about Christ. That became their seminary. You see, when we trust in the promise of God, when we trust in the fact that He is with us, when we trust in the fact that He is going to be with us and nothing else matters, we are more than conquerors, nothing can stamp that out. The church grew exponentially because the people trusted, because they put their faith in God, because they we're able to bound together. Guys, that is the God that we serve. And so church, that's my charge to you today. Be bold. Be 
comforted in that fact that God is with you. You have that same exact promise that Joshua did. The things that he was able to do were incredible. They were. Make the sun stand still. Make the walls of the Jericho fall down without touching them. Do all of these incredible miracles that God was able to do through that, not because of man, but because God delivered them. And God has that same promise. We are more than conquerors. God has already won the battle. We know the ending. So guys, trust in that and be bold. Be bold. Be strong and courageous. Church, let's pray. God, I just thank you for this time that you've given us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for, the, for these men that, were, that, that, that stood up for you. God, you're not a, a God that, that, that mixes words or that uses words unnecessarily. And so for seven times that you would repeat yourself, God, just, I, I just pray that we would understand the importance of this call to be strong and courageous, to be bold, to go forth in your promises. God, I thank you for those promises that you are with us and you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are fighting our battles for us. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for each and every person in this room. I just pray that they would better come to know you, that they would desire you, that they would want to meditate on your word, that they would want you to open up their hearts to you even more daily. God, I pray for each and every person today as they go out, that they would continue to grow in you, that they, this would not be, all right, we'll, we'll start talking about the rest of the day, but that they would meditate on this word in the back of their mind all day long because that's where true heart change comes from. God, I thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.